and welcome back to Pictorial on Relay FM. I'm Quinn Rose, and not only did I not go to art school, I have never known less about a topic than what we're talking about today. Hi, and I'm Betty. I'm also someone who did not go to art school, but that really doesn't matter for this podcast. And the fact that I have worked at an art gallery for over nine years kind of matters, but kind of doesn't really matter either. I know a little bit more about this than Quinn's so that we're not just two people staring at each other saying nothing for the whole podcast, but we'll see how it goes. As I said, I basically know nothing about what we're talking about today, which is NFTs. Um, This is something that Betty brought to me that apparently has been a conversation of interest in places around the internet that I don't see, apparently, because I'm too busy just talking about musicals all the time. I truly know nothing about cryptocurrency, which I gather has something to do with this, but I'm really excited to find out what this is and what it has to do with art. And usually, um, both of us obviously like research the topic ahead of time and come to each other and like have a conversation about what we've learned and our thoughts on it. But because this topic is like, very new and ever changing and opaque, we specifically decided that I would not read anything about it ahead of time. So I can just be here to learn what's going on. Uh, well, I think it's one of those things where yeah, like, we both have interests that are not just art, obviously. And maybe one day you bring a musical related topic and I'll just be like, okay. (laughs) And if we can do the reverse situation of this, but uh, cryptocurrencies and blockchain, uh, not so much cryptocurrencies, blockchain technology is really something that I have been interested in for years. And it's it's what eventually led me into learning about NFTs, which stands for non-fungible tokens. I gather that we're going to go pretty in-depth into this, but can you summarize what non-fungible tokens are in like a paragraph what what is it betty please tell me i don't know for sure for sure i i the thing is i want to but i want to start off with something like it's almost like a youtube video i want to start off with a quickly telling you about and what seems like an insane art story okay it will make sense soon because i think if i just say an nft is blah it will still not make in a paragraph it still won't make any sense so it kind of has to it kind of has to happen in this way okay i'm i'm willing to come along for the ride tell me this story okay perfect so basically what happened is uh two days ago from the day that we're recording this podcast on march 4th i guess they call themselves either a collective or crypto based artists bought a real authentic banksy piece called morons it's a piece it's a really famous piece of uh, it's a picture that Banksy drew of a bunch of people at an art auction. Basically, it's a bunch of people uh, bidding on something and there's an auction person. It's it could be like something like at Christie's auction house or something like that. And there's a painting that says, I can't believe you morons actually buy this. So and obviously the paint the name of it's it's a print actually it's called morons so it's making fun of art auctions uh anyway this collective bought this piece for i think a hundred thousand u.s dollars and every banksy piece actually comes with a uh certificate of authenticity so like a legit banksy piece because people have tried to rip off banksy a lot and so so we know it's a legit because it has a certificate so what they did is then they set it on fire live on Twitter. They burnt it. They destroyed it. And while they were destroying it, the person in the video who was one of the representative of this uh, collective uh, basically said that this is going to what's going to happen is we are going to sell this piece online as an NFT, a non-fungible token, which I'll explain later. Um, but they, they were they're burning the original. So it was burnt in Brooklyn, New York um, on Wednesday. So sorry, it was the third. And they're like this, this the physical piece will be gone. It will it still exist in a digitized format. And we're going to sell the digital oh version. So <laughs> people are already okay. like, what? OK, so okay, it gets better. Um, <laughs> so the Banksy, so Banksy wasn't involved. So he 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 may he probably knows about this now, um, but he he wasn't like he didn't participate in this. So yeah, it was live streamed, and then afterwards they put it on this pl- marketplace called OpenSea, and then it went up for auction. 
I will get into NFTs in a second. But before I get there is people who are like horrified of people burning art. Obviously, this is like a piece work of performance art, in my opinion. Um, we've talked about Ai Weiwei before, Ai Weiwei destroying a Han Dynasty urn, and then people coming in to an Ai Weiwei exhibition to destroy the Ai Weiwei. This is similar to that, but not exactly. And then Banksy, we have also talked about talked about who famously destroyed his own art like at an auction after the auction happened he shredded his own art so there is precedent already for this type of thing happening and the collective actually in a news release or a press release actually said quote i think banksy would appreciate what we are doing since he also promotes creativity and iconoclastic ideas end quote okay so so before i go in do you have any initial reactions okay I still don't really know what's happening, but I gather here okay. that they're, they have converted this to a digital form. They are selling the digital form and they have destroyed the original. I, I'm not exactly sure why yet, but we're going to get there. <laughs> My initial reaction is horror, partially because I think I don't understand this. However, I do think that because it's a Banksy that does make it different, like I do think that they're because of like all the reasons you just listed, like the precedent for this and sort of modern art, performance art, Banksy specifically, I think it's way different to burn a Banksy piece than it would be to burn like like a Van Gogh, you know? So I'm very curious like what like what the process of this actually is. Um, but I initially am very taken aback, but I'm willing to continue the story. <laughs> I do think they are going for shock value. And if you watch the video, uh, he, I, I'm probably misquoting this guy because I didn't write down exactly what he said in the video. He actually does say, so this is going to come up later. Like one thing that is important to this collective or to this group is one, uh, they are concerned that Banksy gets copied and copied and copied all over again. So they are concerned with authenticity. They're also concerned with pieces being altered after the fact or physical the or yeah the physical piece or the physical media getting altered so they're saying by digitizing it now it this work exists in its form as it is today so even if people later on like alter it or destroy it or the artist himself comes in and makes changes to it it's it's you can't because we're burning it we're getting rid of it so we are making like a timestamp copy of it today and of its in its original form of the artist originally painting it and that is important to us so that is one thing he does say in the video that usually doesn't translate into news articles who just go, oh my God, these crazy people are burning real authentic art that's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wait, but you can also digitally alter things though. You can, and I'm going to go there. It's, okay, I okay. know. It's, it's, this is w w where people are like, w wait, what? Like, totally. So in order to explain NFTs, I have to briefly explain what blockchain is. But before I even explain anything, I don't want people to just turn off the podcast because they know we're talking about cryptocurrencies. Um, because the the because I've followed crypto people and Bitcoin people and mostly blockchain people for years, I understand that a lot of them can be quite intense. Um, and a lot of them can be quite controversial. And I have to just start right now, set the tone and set the stage that I, Betty, am not advocating for blockchain or cryptocurrencies or NFTs in one way or another. I definitely don't personally own any NFTs, and I probably won't uh, if, if ever or maybe for a very long time or until I even do more reading about it. So I'll say that. And uh, I will say that because so yeah because people feel very strongly about cryptocurrencies in one way or another i expect feedback uh, either from people who really love cryptocurrencies and nfts to be like well you didn't address this properly and you weren't enthusiastic enough about it and people who really don't like it have a big problem with it and i think i personally welcome the feedback i think like as long as you're not like attacking any of us personally i have no problem with that uh, but I will just say that this is a controversial topic. <laughs> I continue to not know anything about it. Here's what I'll say. my I have very limited knowledge of any kind of cryptocurrency topics. The things that I know about them, and I can list them off very easily, are it's some kind of converting 
money, which is already fake, to a somewhat <laughs> faker form of money. But then it's it's kind of like a stock. It can go up and down and it something, something computers. Um, but also that you have to mine it and it's bad for the environment. That's what I've heard about it. All of those things are, I would say, true and also not true but but okay like it, it, or or not exactly but you are not wrong about any of those things at, le- at least from the way you described it except for the, the the fake part I'll address in a second because again like fakeness and authenticity and this is why Banksy like matters in this specific discussion so okay I'm gonna try to explain blockchain in like the most simple way possible and if you are either confused or get it then let me know either way. Blockchain is this type of technology that was actually invented in 1991. There are these two researchers called Stuart Haber and W. Scott Stornetta, and they basically wanted to implement a system that documents timestamps that can't be tampered with. So it basically is to do something digitally somewhere that cannot be like undone or tampered with or changed in any way it goes back to what you mentioned before like like digital things are malleable you can you can photoshop them something you can delete it you can permanently erase it you can do all kinds of things to it you can copy it a million times and it basically stay you can do whatever but they wanted to not have that situation they wanted to do something where you could have a permanent like watermark timestamp and they did come up with this technology or or at least a theory of working of this working blockchain technology to make that happen but it didn't have really a real world application until around 2009 and so what blockchain is in the, its simplest form is that it's a type of database. So there's all kinds of databases. Like if you create a Google Docs that we have right here on the show notes, that's a database. A spreadsheet is a database. But a blockchain, it's a database of things stored in blocks that are chained together. Like it's most commonly used as like a ledger for transactions. Um, and the reason that matters is that it creates this situation called being immutable, which basically means that when a data is entered, it's irreversible. The the way that it's chained together, it always something always comes in at the end of the block, and you can't you can't alter it after the fact. And again, if we go into exactly how it is, this entire podcast will be about how blockchain works. In the show notes, we will link to a SciShow video that basically goes through how blockchain and it explains a little bit about how Bitcoin works as well. So if you want to find out more of exactly the technology behind blockchain, you can watch that video, which is like 10 minutes long, and they do a really good job of explaining how it works. Okay, but I can I can follow this blockchain is a database that once you put data into it, it can't be altered. And you can see immediately how that could be important or not immediately. Actually, it was like almost 17 years later that somebody went, hey, I can use this to maybe apply to like transactions and ledgers and other things. And so in 2009, uh, somebody quite anonymous, and we still to this day don't know exactly who it is, basically invented Bitcoin. Uh, A lot of so when I'm reading news articles, people are always saying, blockchain was invented in 2009 and it's like it actually wasn't bitcoin was and it it sort of adapted from previous technologies or previous research but they used this blockchain concept to apply to i guess like a monetary ledger thing (laughs) i'm I'm like people who are so into uh, crypto are the way i explain it they're probably going to shoot me but like i'm trying to make it in a way that people like me honestly understand um so i'll briefly explain then what bitcoin is but essentially what bitcoin is is that it's a honestly a giant ledger that's what it is it's a giant like transaction of every single Bitcoin transaction that has ever taken place in the history of Bitcoin, which initially obviously was just a bunch of developers like coming up with this idea and doing like ledgers and testing transactions of their own with like, you know, whatever. Um, Again, it's quote unquote made up. But since a lot of people have started using it, it's now this ledger that records every single transaction ever. And again, it's not, it can't be reversed. It can't, it's, it can't be changed. And I'll talk about later about exactly why then Bitcoin can't be changed. Um, Essentially, it's a clear way to record transactions. But the other thing that's that was 
like a lot of people think was brilliant about Bitcoin is that um, it's decentralized. So what it basically means is that uh, the the data of Bitcoin is not saved on like somebody's computer. It's not like Betty's computer has like all the Bitcoin transactions listed in a ledger. It's hosted on, I think at this point, tens of thousands of computers all around the world. So that even if honestly, half of the world's computers go down because of some sort of like power grid failure or something, there's still enough computers basically for this ledger to not be like erased or deleted. Even if Every single computer in the entire world gets shut down because of some sort of like solar flare or whatever, and we lose everything. People actually regularly back up, like, I think the ledger, like in like printed format, which is probably like humongous or like, I, I don't know exactly like how often this gets done but people like, I have backed up, I have backups, like, not of the entire blockchain, obviously, but like of my own wallet to a like a physical like USB stick. So so like it can be backed up so much that essentially all of humanity may have to be wiped out for a blockchain to not exist for sort of a Bitcoin to not exist anymore. So the thing with Bitcoin that makes it like different than regular money is that the records of it like basically it's impossible to wipe them out. Okay. At this point, yes. That's not, that's not the only thing that's different, but Okay. So that's one main thing. Um, And then when you're talking about like everybody like having this on their having like the ledger on their computer, is that what mining Bitcoin means? So the mining itself. So I it's it's kind of it's hard for me to um, like explain mining. But basically, the, the other aspect of Bitcoin is that it's scarce. There's only 21 million Bitcoins. So they they artificially made it so that because like the other th- problem these people are trying to solve is inflation. They made this scarce asset because they're concerned about governments printing money and just um, devaluing devaluing currency. So the mining aspect is like miners will artificially like mine it. Right now, not all 21 million have been mined. Like, so mining it is really just solving complex math problems. Um, and that's <laughs> yeah, like, I know, I, it's, I know it, it sounds, it sounds ridiculous, but, but it, oh that's, that's what it is. So why did like, this sound like Ready Player One? So, oh my God, I was going to mention this movie oh my God. Like, later on in this, in this, if you weren't going to bring up something like, like a movie, but yeah, it is like a gold. It's like mining for gold, except instead of mining for gold, it's mining for uh, th- this digital currency, but it's just like, well, then why is it hard to mine? Like, if it's digital, why don't you just dig it up? It's like, well, because in order to mine it, it, like, these really complex math problems have to be solved. And so you can't just easily get to it. And so so you can see, like, it's gamifying this thing. And so lots of nerds would be super into this. And now people have built these giant servers. And we'll talk about servers and how they consume energy later. Okay, wait. So that that's the, that's where the environmental thing comes in because you have to solve these really complex math problems so people build these like really sort of like high energy servers that are using up resources. That's wild. The, it's these computers that so I don't think it's just the mining like the, the transaction like do, uh, doing bitcoin transactions also used up use up energy as well, but it's I think it's nowhere near the mining in my research. I don't have the exact data right now, but we can we can look it up or other people can. Um that's essentially a way to explain mining. Um but the idea is like the last Bitcoin, I think, will be mined sometime in like 2140. Like, I don't have the exact number. It's like 100 something years from now. And then there will just be 21 million and they won't be any more. Bitcoin can be lost, but that's only because people have forgotten the keys to their wallet, which we can't, don't have time to get into. Other than that, essentially, there's just that many Bitcoin. And the uh, it's kind of some like one of the reasons why people invest in gold is because like when the economy goes, you know, tanks and people are like, okay, I'm going to put my money into gold is because it's a scarce resource or for the most part anyway, until we find some asteroid that's <laughs> full of gold. But um, even then, that's difficult to mine. So the idea of having like scarcity is is important. And 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 so since we're here is like when people whenever people say like yeah like it, this is all fake it's like well t- yes all money is just we collectively as a society have agreed that this is this is what we use to do transactions like whether it's the u.s dollar or the canadian dollar or you know gold like historically there have been 
other objects that people used to exchange goods and value. And it's just that more recently, people are thinking, well, why don't we use like a digital version? And again, it doesn't have to be Bitcoin, but there are people who, there are people who argue why it should be Bitcoin. But this is why countries around the world want to do their own coins. The, like, you know, centralized governments are thinking maybe, maybe we, j- yeah, maybe we have a cryptocurrency. Like it's got all these benefits. Maybe instead of the US dollar or the Canadian dollar, we have crypto USD or whatever they want to call it. So th- this is why people are thinking, okay, this has use case. We can, we can use these benefits of cryptocurrency and replace our existing monetary system with it. Um, And again, there's problems with doing that too, or the potential problems anyway. Um, But yeah, essentially, it's because of these advantages like scarcity, not being able to just like print money and cause inflation. Um, But the reason why people are into Bitcoin itself is because of this decentralization, like no government technically owns Bitcoin. No single company owns Bitcoin. No single person owns Bitcoin. It's it's dependent on this open source, uh, like global peer-to-peer network of people to maintain it. And lots of people are now into maintaining it and are really believe in it. And so uh, the, the chances of it going away at this point is kind of impossible. Um, so that's kind of why people, or at least a certain type of people, really like the idea that the government has no control over your your money. And, you know, you can, you, you don't, or, and it's an international, you don't have to be faced with like an exchange rate when you go to, um, you know, another country to exchange for like the British pound or Chinese yuan or whatever. And, this is also why in countries with very unstable governments and and money that basically is just totally completely useless um that they turn to cryptocurrencies because they're like well this not only could i it isn't devout being devalued i can go to another country when i escape from my current terrible one and still (laughs) and just take this with me because it's on my phone wait okay we have to come back to nfts but i do have one more big question about bitcoin first because it And my understanding is that it functions like a stock, though, like the price of Bitcoin goes up and down. Why? That's a really good question. That is a really good question. So people think it's like a stock. It's like a security. And that's that's really essentially a misconception. Or some people call it a currency and some people call it a I want to say a resource or whatever gold is called like or gold and silver. When people invest in gold and silver, gold goes up and down. Silver goes up and down. Um. Money also goes up and down. People do Forex, foreign exchange trading. Like people will invest in an emerging market in like Africa or Southeast Asia or wherever for like if they're thinking, okay, this country is like an up and coming developing nation. Right now, this like whatever money from this country is only worth like you have to have like a thousand to get one US dollar. But we think actually in 10 years, it will almost be on par or like $10 to a US dollar. So then if I invest in this money now, I can make big bucks and people have made big big bucks by investing in emerging markets uh, in but not just like the industry in emerging markets, but the currency of emerging markets. The idea that that it's like a stock is wrong. But it's the same idea, like investing in a company, investing in a resource, investing in a currency could give you big returns. And so is it because like just Bitcoin has gotten so much attention that it seems like the value of Bitcoin has been more volatile than sort of like the average country's currency? That's correct. Ex- exactly. So again, like uh, the the volatility of an emerging market currency is already volatile. Like it does like USD, Canadian, British pound, as much as it goes up and down is not by much. But like an emerging uh, developing country, it will go up much higher. But again, nowhere near the volatility of Bitcoin. And and, and I th- the reason why like I very much emphasize that or many people emphasize that it's not a stock is well, nobody owns it. Like that's the problem. It's not like you're investing in Bitcoin Corp. Like, mm. you know, like no, the, there are cryptocurrencies that are owned by companies. And those those are things that we don't have time to talk about. So in those cases, you could argue that it's more like a stock. But in terms of Bitcoin, like really, because no one owns it, and no, at this point, no one could own it. It isn't like a stock. 
Okay. Am I allowed to learn what a fun- non-fungible token is now? Yes, you are. Like, oh my yes. God. So before you learn <laughs> what a non-fungible token is, you're going to learn about what Ethereum is. Because a oh non-fungible token, I'm going to tell you right now, a non-fungible token is a a unique like token, digitized token that is backed by the Ethereum network, which is another cryptocurrency. Similar to Bitcoin, but very different. <laughs> No, there are too many things. <laughs> okay, wait. But then what's Ethereum and what does it have to do with Banksy? So blockchain, it doesn't just have, it isn't just, it doesn't just have use cases in, in currencies. Uh, so it's actually nowadays it's being used by lots of different companies. So Walmart, Pfizer, Siemens, they, they actually use a lot of it uh, to track things like supply chain. Because uh, you again, you can have these like, accurate data that's like not that's immutable that you can't delete and that's very blockchain is also very secure and it's it's essentially impossible to hack um and so actually so i work in healthcare so a lot of healthcare records or not a lot some healthcare records are being now stored on blockchain and people are using it for property records so the thing that's that's important for ethereum and for nfts is that so Ethereum is this, it's a cryptocurrency, but really, like people, a lot of people say just it's more like a global supercomputer. The people who use this blockchain to apply to Ethereum is that basically it's a it's a giant like computer, again, it's, it's decentralized, it's all around the world, and it basically helps to facilitate, verify, and negotiate contract agreements. So like I'll give a really simple example of how smart contracts work. So basically, like say for example that we are you and I, Quinn, we're using a smart contract. Like you're the landlord, and I'm renting an apartment from you. So we have this agreement. It's a digital version of a contract. And so uh, one a, a part of the agreement is you give me like the security door code uh, to the apartment as soon as I pay the security deposit. Uh, and then so we would both send our portion of the deal to the smart contract and then things would happen automatically so there would be like an automatic exchange like you don't have to send me the security code it automatically gets sent to me as soon as my transaction clears and then because it will check the contract and the contract will be like okay yeah this support betty gets the code blah blah, blah like quick gets the money but if for, for whatever reason something goes wrong like if the code doesn't get supplied the money gets immediately automatically d- uh, returned to me because again the contract hasn't been fulfilled like all of these things in a contract that would occur occur automatically because the contract is checking itself you don't need a lawyer you don't need like a third-party mediator like you don't need to do all of these things that you would typically have to do when you have a contract is to okay let's go to contract I, I do this every day like with lease agreements at work like what does it say what does it have to do like you know what's going on and like did they did we have this aspect of additional rent in the contract let's go check that but like you don't have to do that anymore uh really the the point is with ethereum now, I'm not going to get into a lot of people's problem with it is that it's really it's trying to automate the legal industry. It's trying to automate notaries, mediators, attorneys, and like it, not to, like I personally don't think you're going to not have lawyers in the future. You still will need it. But this makes simple things like a simple contract uh, at the very least, like, you know, like a tenant renting a place where you don't need to pay legal fees. You don't need to deal with that. Like you don't you just you just do it. And so this is why like ethereum is interesting to people because it solves a lot of these problems and it like it's time it, it's money like that you have to pay a lawyer or you have to pay a contract negotiator and it's like you can't get into your apartment <laughs> or like you got into your apartment but the landlord hasn't been paid and and stuff like that so what does this have to do with banksy <laughs> yeah so this has to do with banksy because when you purchase an artwork it's First of all, it's essentially a contract. Okay, so the NFT is, so the reason why there's, the NFT is important is NFTs, non-fungible tokens are different from fungible tokens because a Bitcoin or an Ethereum token, they're they're all like the same 
token. It's all the same. Like 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 the fungible just means a non fungible just means it's unique. So uh, it's like like U.S. dollar or Canadian dollar. Like each dollar bill is the exact same copy of each other. A non fungible token is a unique token. That's like there's no other token like it in the world. It, or sorry, you can also do a limited edition run. You can say there's only like thirteen. Banksy tokens, or you can say there's only like 20 Betty coins, like, like, or you can say there's just one, there's just one coin that represents this artwork, whether it's digital or physical, it's a collectible, basically, but what else is a collectible? art <laughs> so um it's kind of and, and it goes back to investing like what is like a stock is like yeah you know what like right now say that betty has lots of money she doesn't but she has a little bit of savings like i can invest into stocks i can invest into gold i can invest into like mutual funds i can invest into like guaranteed income like government bonds or i can invest into paintings like i've we've talked about you know buying paintings and selling paintings and i actually have a youtube videos on how to collect art even if you don't have a lot of money um if you want to support like local artists for instance so you can say okay some people do invest in art like some people say like well i'm gonna invest into this up-and-coming artist in the hopes that they will that this painting when i sell it you know whatever like 15 20 years from now is actually going to be like 10 times the price or 100 times the price and they're going for this like high returns um is what some people go for but obviously it's volatile you probably shouldn't do it if you're not like loaded or you know really know this market um so an nft really is the digitized version of that so so it's like again it's non-fungible so i can't go take my banksy painting and go to starbucks and say hi can i barter this banksy painting for some coffee (laughs) like i have to convert it back into some sort of like usable currency I think I'm I'm I think I think I feel like I'm almost there. I feel like I've almost got the last pieces of the puzzle coming in here. Um and you might be getting to this, but real quick like logistical point. When they so the NFT that is the Banksy painting. What is it? Is it like a scan of the painting? Like what? <laughs> Looking into as far as I know it is. Like it it it, it an NFT can okay. really be whatever you want. Just like how Honest, because a lot of people on the internet, it's like, oh, but is this really art? I'm like, okay, look, first of all, we know like anything could be art. Obviously, not everything is good art and not everything is art that people will want to buy. But like, so an NFT can also just be whatever you want. So I do, I think this one, as far as I know, it is a scan of the painting. So it's a digitized version of a paint of the painting. And I'm assuming super high HD quality like they have in Google Arts Project. Um, or this one is, sorry, a scan of the print. But it can also be a scan of the painting. That's essentially what it is. It's a digitized version. But it doesn't isn't just that. Um, I looked it up because it quite often the NFT also comes with other things because, again, it's a contractual obligation. So it will a lot quite often come with like an artist's own um authenticated like this is like a what it's a digital signature like i sign um contracts at work now with adobe sign and it's a digital signature instead of a like instead of a physical signature because again physical signatures can be forged but digital signatures are time stamped and it's traceable so these days if i sign a contract at work and then they do have to go back be like did betty really sign it and if she did, you can see it was signed by Adobe Sign on this computer on this day. It, this computer is registered to Betty at her work, and it's got all this metadata that basically essentially proves that it was me who signed it. And it's very little way of me getting out of it to say, oh, well, somebody impersonated me and went on my computer and went on my password, even though I have two-step authentication, like all this stuff. So an artist will give a digital signature or certificate to say, yes, this is an authenticated original work by me Banksy or by me the creator of Nyan Cat like the first uh, GIF or whatever <laughs> so and and then so that comes with it so that certificate of authenticity will come with it but it also will have stuff like quite often like uh copyright usage like what the the person who bought it like what they're allowed to use it for are they allowed to post it on their website are they allowed to reproduce it are they allowed to alter it are they allowed to do like all kinds of these other things um it it could come like it could be a basic contract that has like very little or it could be like huge and that has like a lot of stipulation and criteria of what you can and cannot do with it and again i don't 
like personally know like how this would work if the person violated this contract i'm assuming if they did it would be an automatic thing in the ethereum network that they lose the work or it goes back to the artist again it depends on what the contract says essentially it has those things and the before you have you may have more questions but i will just say that in terms of like the the biggest question people ask is about this type of thing about digital art is yeah like you can you can copy uh, uh, like this scan now of the Banksy painting as many times as you want um and you can like again pe- there are people who sell digital art like things that aren't even aren't even ever uh, uh, physical in the first place like somebody could do a digital painting and sell it it's like this is like the idea of limited edition runs uh, of copies have existed basically since like Gutenberg printing press since the, since when you can make copies of like etchings and you know lithographs people artists have been interested in like original proofs like whether it's uh, photography is that too like the original negative or the original like 12 like uh, developed photographs uh, or even the like original I don't know, VHS tape of or or a film reel of the original movie. And yeah, like all kinds of other things uh, when it comes to art that can be copied because we have been living in a world with digitization now for a long time. But artists are always interested in this like limited edition. I'm sorry, not so much artists, maybe collectors and artists you know, want to make money Um, (laughs) like at least some artists do um, and they you know, will utilize this mechanism. At this point, I understand at least the very bare bones basics of how this system works. And I'm not even questioning like what this specific incident was because like, you know, this was a publicity stunt (laughs) in many, many ways. That's what it is. Um, And the idea of like owning something that's attached to like a specific moment in history is like always going to raise its value, which is like, of course, kind of why this happened and all that. So I have no I have no further questions about why this sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars, like no questions at all. This is very similar, I think, to when we talked in a way early episode Maybe our first episode about artificial intelligence yeah, making possibly. art um, and how and how like the first painting sold at auction that was made by artificial intelligence sold for like a lot of money, which seems surprising because it didn't look that good. But it was like because it's a piece of history. So I, I very much see the connection here. I guess that I'm still very hung up on the idea of this becoming a thing, like an act, like a, a an intriguing thing for anyone who's not like a hardcore collector who's really interested in sort of the historical aspect of it or is like really really interested in sort of like blockchain and is fascinated by that because you know ultimately lots of things are like very easy to transition into completely digital and it like basically makes no difference to the thing Art is not one of those things. There is digital art, which we literally just yep. talked about. Like there's tons of digital art. There's tons of stuff that is made natively on digital platforms. That's like the whole point, And that's awesome. But the idea of tra- – of but like physical art as a thing is something that I don't think can be replaced by digital means and replaced by NFT versions. So I'm curious like what do you – what is the argument behind this and like where do you see this going? <laughs> Oh, for sure. And this is probably like, for me, this is, was why I came to you with this topic in the first place, because honestly, I never wanted to talk about this. But now I have to. Um, like before, <laughs> yeah. But So before I, I proceed is, uh, so one reason that this is beyond just digital art is that a lot of art that is physical art is less physical than you think, or uh, you know, but a lot of people may not be aware. But like, for there's an example, the, the artist Sola Witt, which I think I might have mentioned a few times in the podcast, is his art is almost all instructions on how to create the art. Like whenever uh, museums and galleries display Sola Witt's art, it's almost never like 
an actual piece that he made that it's now shipped to like he he's been he's long dead and so it's an instruction on how to draw this on a wall or like it's a it's a it's an idea and and he's not the only artist that does it like we've had exhibits at the AGO where the art is a piece of paper with an instruction on on how to pour sand in the circular for uh, format and what the dimensions of the work is and here's the materials you can buy at a hardware store because it's you know it's a it's like a found object type of situation and there is a really good video another good video by the artist Simon about that banana that's duct taped to a wall that somebody ate that one when people bought it for hundreds of thousands of dollars or i think it was like 25,000 people just bought the authentic certificate of authenticity and a piece of paper with an instruction saying you go buy a banana you go buy some duct tape and you duct tape it to a wall. You People bought the idea. Now, people are going to think this is ridiculous. We can't get into it. Watch the Art Assignment video on why this was important. But so that's one way that physical art, quote unquote, that's in the traditional art market can be NFT'd. But the, the, that part I'm not super interested in because I'm sure some people are still like, oh, OK, what a bunch of it's, it's always catering to the art snobs, which in a way it is. Um the the thing that the crypto people are interested in but that the art market people would possibly be interested in is that this could eliminate the gallery system or the whole auction system so christie's auction house has actually also auctioned an nft as well but this decentralizes like you don't have to go like artists have complained for years and years that in order to be successful, you'll got to get into a gallery. You got to get them to represent you. And then you got to get your work into like auction houses and whatever. But because of these systems that are established and you need these negotiators and mediators and whatever, this is a alternative to that. And again, whether it will take off or not, it depends on how many people actually participate and use it. But already a lot of people are in in the traditional way because they're like, I don't want to pay the fees. Like, I don't want like 40 to 50% of my commissions to go to, uh, you know, like a dealer. Um, and so, and the, the thing that's the most important that a lot of artists as well as crypto people like is that with NFTs, um, Every single time an NFT is resold, so this Banksy, like every time, or at least I, I don't know if this one exactly will, how much of the proceeds will go to Banksy. But I think the idea is that they're going to donate most of, so it did sell today, uh, March 7th, for $380,000 US dollars. Uh, and they are saying they're donating, I think, all of it to charity. So I don't know if any of this will actually go to Banksy. But a lot of the ones that are being sold by the artists themselves, um, every single time a NFT is resold, the artist will always get a portion. And again, it depends on how, what the contract negotiation says, how much of the, the royalties or the portions they get. So it's a way to continuously support the artist. So that's another reason a lot of people like it, uh, whether it's for digital or physical art. And the thing that interests me and possibly you, but we'll see, is the like archival nature of it. So a while ago, like I may have mentioned, or at least mentioned at least to you, is at the AGO, we've been doing a lot of like actual digitization of our photography and prints and drawings and basically works on paper section uh, of our collection. And we have a lot of rare books and a lot of things that are deteriorating that do take a lot of work, time, energy to uh, to maintain. And we know for a fact that a lot of the works on paper like will be lost to, to, to time like in hundreds of years no matter how good we are at conservation like it's just it's not going to last and that we basically need to digitize and have been digitizing but the thing is again digital copies are also not going to last like either because again server issues uh legacy media like how do we know in hundreds of years that this 
will have computers that can read this type of drive. Um, and like in the art and libraries and archives were playing the long game. It's not just about whether we can go experience art today. It's about can people experience it hundreds of years from now? And how do we people today at least attempt to make sure that people can see the art or, or have a copy of some sort, at least in the future, that is as authentic as possible and as close to the original as possible? I just want to say I'm hugely in favor of digitization, of art, of preserving of archival work like huge huge fan love it support it i'm just not so sure about the whole like burning the original <laughs> no, this then becomes sort of a playground for the rich to buy and sell scans of painting situation <laughs> no i absolutely agree like so i again at the end of the day i think the only time that it's okay to burn an art that you just bought is a banksy but at the other time, please don't burn and destroy the actual physical piece. We still got to preserve that for as long as physically possible. Uh, but the, the a really important thing I do want to say is also about the original thing. So um, actually, a friend of mine, uh, his name is Byron Lewis, and he made a really good YouTube video. Uh, he's not the only person who talked about this, about like George Lucas, like never wanting people to have the original version of Star Wars and like basically refusing. It's, it's impossible possible to have the original version then he's altered it beyond belief and this is one reason why people like want to make time-stamped copies to even prevent the artist from messing with it so like this is another reason and it kind of, it kind of goes on and on and also you know in a pandemic you can't experience work and anyway we will we'll go too much into it but like before I kind of like we we wrap up um the the reason like I, I this topic is controversial is there's many reasons but one thing about Ethereum that is very very important to and the biggest reason why I'm personally not going to invest into Ethereum at least not right now is because of the soup global supercomputer and the massive energy consumption and but i will say the creator of ethereum is massively aware like like and 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 has been wanting to address this for i probably since inception or for years and we, he probably just didn't think it would be this big and it would end up with all this energy consumption and um there is a the reason why it, so ethereum came out in 2015 the reason why it's like all the rage now is because ethereum 2.0 launched in december 2020 it's not fully launched but once it comes out in like its full i guess alpha stage it's supposed to cut down ethereum's energy usage by 99 percent and the reason is that they're going from one type of problem solving to another. One is called proof of stake and one is called proof of work. And so basically the proof of state is a much more energy efficient mechanism, again, cutting it down by 99%, whereas the other one is just, is just crazy. And so, but in order to convert their entire system from one to the other, it's going to take a bit of time and it might take up to a couple of years. But so that is something that they are addressing. So it, for personally, I'm like, if Ethereum can get rid of this massive energy consumption problem, I'll think about it, uh, is one. But the other thing is, my initial getting into cryptocurrencies is actually, uh, I went to visit this company called LO3 in New York that's trying to use blockchain technology to solve energy inefficiencies by using blockchain to solve inefficiencies and in transactions and various problems on the electrical grid. So there are people who want to use blockchain to solve energy problems. And because this is their their game, they're probably not using Ethereum, at least not right now. And they're using ways that it is obviously going to be like energy zero or at least carbon negative when when they when they do this. So I don't want people to just turn off because of the energy issue. It is a concern, and I absolutely think Ethereum. Mo everybody thinks there's no way Ethereum's can go down this path, including you know the founder. So like the people who are into NFTs and cryptocurrencies are people who want to solve big problems in the world. And me as a skeptical person, I'm like. Who, let, let's see if it's going to happen. But the reason why I'm interested myself is I 
as a person who doesn't talk a lot about politics online, but I am very vocal about environmentalism, like, I, I do just want, I have to say this because people now know me as this person. So that is my conclusion, concluding thought. This has been quite a ride. Obviously, I am new to all of this, and I thank you very much for explaining it to me in a way that I can understand. <laughs> um, I, I've shared some of my thoughts already on uh, my skepticism on this application into the art world. I do think that there's a lot of interesting things that can be done in terms of preserving, digitizing art, use in contracts and art auctions, like all of that good stuff seems really interesting. These people doing performance art where they burn Banksy paintings, like, sure, whatever, like, <laughs> not my thing, not my favorite expression of art, but like, that that's a thing they're doing. And like, I don't begrudge them that as long as they don't go on a rampage burning <laughs> things, obviously. Um, and I am really encouraged to hear things about like making strides towards better environmentalism and all of that kind of stuff that has been a really big concern to me and like my very limited understanding of cryptocurrencies in the past. So um, yeah, this is not a world that I have a particular interest in getting into, but I am glad that I know more about it. And I'm I will be trying to follow more and like how this relates to the art world. And especially since like as we're recording this, this incident with the Bagsy painting has just happened, but this episode will be going out in two weeks. So it'll be very interesting to see how things progress um, both with this story specifically and also like will this start a trend of any kind of related NFT art incidents? Yeah, I'm, I'm super interested. And again, like I don't think we've quite done a in the news topic as much as this one. So I really hope in two weeks, when this comes out, it's not like 500 million things have happened and Ethereum has imploded. But if it does, it'll be an interesting timestamp of what it was like in March, early March 2021. Wow, a timestamp, just ah. like blockchain. Oh, <laughs> Also, as we're wrapping up here, we wanted to tell you about another show on Relay FM that you might enjoy if you like this one, and that is Focused, which is all about the idea of how to stay focused on something, which everyone could use, honestly. I feel a lot of trouble sometimes being able to stay focused on like my work or even my hobbies, even fun stuff like researching stuff for this show, which is for fun. I still sometimes have trouble with it. And that is what this podcast is all about. It's hosted by David Sparks and Mike Schmidt. And they often have guests on to talk about things like how they set goals, working with sort of specific types of focus, like for people with ADHD. There's lots of variety in there. And it is a really fun and useful show. Yeah, it definitely is useful. Um, I haven't listened to this episode yet, but right now I'm looking at episode 119, Productivity and Meditation, which are both things that I really want to do better and actually probably just learn how to do in the first place. Um, so I'm definitely going to give this one a listen myself. If you want to check it out, that's at relay.fm slash focus or just search for focused anywhere you get your podcast. Give it a try. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pictorial. You can find our show notes and more information about everything we talked about today at relay.fm slash pictorial. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram at pictorialpod. You can send us any more information you may know about this topic or any feedback. And you can find me on Instagram at aspiringrobotfm. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Articulations V, and I am also on YouTube as Articulations. And speaking of YouTube, uh, we also upload these episodes to YouTube under Pictorial Podcasts. There probably won't be too many images this time, except for maybe pictures of like Neon Cat <laughs> or Banksy, um, but I do hope you watch. Thanks for listening, art enthusiasts.